All right, it's good to be here with you again this morning, and I blame you guys for having me back. You got the issue, not me. You don't have to ask me to come. Um, I appreciate Pat and uh, Mark, your pastor, for, uh, for the relationship and for asking me to come and just share. I enjoy coming. I do want to, so I want to thank God for the privilege to be here this morning. And uh, I want to thank the brothers from uh, the brothers from Golden Gate that are sharing here. We've got a couple of elders, of deacons, and staff, and so glad to have them sharing today. Um, today, I want to talk about how to pray, simply because the text that we're dis- we're talking about gives instructions on how to pray. Uh, in in Luke chapter eleven. And in Matthew 6, you see what we traditionally call the Lord's Prayer. There's some context for that, uh, which is important, which gives the title for for my little outline this morning. It's simply uh, in in Luke chapter 11, he just simply, the disciples came to him uh, and said, Lord, teach us to pray. This is the only time in Scripture where you see the disciples asking Jesus to teach them something. He did not teach them how to walk on water. He didn't teach, have a class on how to stake, take two fish and five loaves and feed, you know, 5,000 men plus women and children. He did not teach, ask them how. They, we don't see them asking them, Jesus how to preach. They asked, teach us how to pray. Evidently, that was his pattern to pray. We see that in Scripture. You see out throughout Luke uh, where he, he often draws a way to pray. Um, and as I was preparing for, for this, I, I have one, there's one thought that never had crossed my mind as I was reading some commentators. One of them said, a couple of them had said this. They were asking for a prayer to actually pray. Because evidently John the Baptist had offered, had given his disciples, as we see here, teach us how to pray as John taught his disciples how to pray. Evidently there was some, uh, a pattern or a model or a, an actual prayer that John taught his disciples to pray. The actual words. And so what they were, what Jesus' disciples were asking him was, will you teach us, you give us a prayer to pray that will make, that will pull us together, that will make us one, on one accord. And so um, here is that he gives words, and there's nothing wrong with repeating them. There's nothing wrong with the words at all. We mostly do what we read. We, the prayer that I learned when I was a child is found in Matthew 6. Uh, I think it's instructive for us to think about how to pray. Now, since we're all men in here, generally... Generally, sisters don't have any problem praying. It may be because they talk more than they 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 talk more than we do. It's not that they have more to say. Maybe they do. 
but the, the sister's vocabulary seems to be a lot more extensive than ours. And so one of the, one of the challenges, I know at, at the Golden Gate Church, are about three, ooh, we, three years ago, my wife who leads our men, women's ministry said that as a part of the women's month, we have a women's month where we celebrate women, they do a bunch of stuff for a month. Well, one of the things she wanted to do was have a 6 a.m. prayer every day. For, well, at least Monday through Friday. 6 a.m., sister, get on the prayer line, they pray. They started, and it, I think it was supposed to last a week. I don't think it even was supposed to last a month. Three and a half years later, they are still praying. They did cut it back a little bit to Monday and Wednesday and Friday earlier this year. But for three straight years, they did not stop. Matter of fact, I stopped them one time and they got upset and they went right back to it. Now, soon after, you know, the brothers said, okay, well, maybe we can have prayer. I don't know that it lasted three months, <laughs> much less three years. We were going to do, and we were just trying to do two, three evenings a week. At six o'clock, we get on the line, brothers pray for 15 minutes. The sisters pray for, I have left to take my son to school. They start at six. I get back at 8.15, 8.30, and they are still on the prayer line. What could you possibly be talking about for two and a half hours and they have the ability. I can't get men to pray for 25 minutes. Why is that? Why is that? What do you think that is? Let me throw that out. Why do you think men, I don't know if we struggle with prayer, what is the challenge? What's, what's our challenge with prayer? What's your challenge with prayer? Anybody? Distracted. Lazy. Who said lazy? <laughs> Excuse me? Prideful. Independent. We like lists. We're not good at relationships. You married. <laughs> we, you know what and I agree with you 100% we're not good at relationships but we have no problem finding women and some of us have no and you know what well we don't want that woman anymore we know what we do find another one it's amazing so I agree with you we, we're challenged with relationships. What, I don't know if we're challenged with relationships. What are we challenged by in relationships? Communication. Talking. I don't know about you, but if my wife was standing here and she told, we've got 30 years coming in in December, if she was transparent enough to say what our biggest issue is, you know what my wife would say? He don't talk. He don't tell me. Communication. We don't communicate at a level that gives her what she needs from her husband. I don't think we have any problem with relationships. Our challenge is 
is communication. And when I am in counseling and meeting with other men, and when, I, when, when couples come to me and say, Pastor, can we talk? You know what the number one thing is? Communication. What it comes down to, the two presenting issues are always this. I can trace it all every time a couple comes to talk to me. The, the challenge is sex and money. Now, I don't know what y'all do here in North Dallas, but in my side of town, <laughs> it's sex and money. Never talk, and watch this, we don't come in to the office saying, Pastor, our problems with sex. Nope. But when you keep digging, the issue comes, sex is a communication issue. And money is a communication issue. Now, what's that all have to do with prayer? You say, why, why is he, he done talked about, why is he done talked about? What's that have to do with prayer? Everything. What is prayer? What is it? Conversation with God, communication with God. What is prayer? It's a relationship. It is, it is the means by which we establish, we maintain, we grow in a relationship with someone we cannot see. Now, we struggle with communicating with folk we're looking at every day. We're living with. Here's someone we cannot see, and we're called to have an intimate, personal vibrant, challenging relationship with, and prayer is the means by which that happens. And I think for men, the struggle is, all the things that you mentioned, our, our struggle is we don't know how. And so when Jesus, when the disciples come to him and say, Lord, teach us to pray, they are... That's a, that's a simple prayer, and he gives what I believe men really need in terms of the context of learning about prayer. He gives us some how-tos, and we, we, we good at how-tos. We, we, we desire how-to. I had a big argument with, with, with someone yesterday, my daughter, my oldest daughter, and, and I got down to, I just don't know how to do what you're talking about, and it frustrates the she and her mama, it just frustrates the dickens out of them. Because I say, I don't know how to do that. This is what you want from me? Please tell me how I'm supposed to do that in a practical way. And they're frustrated by that because I'm supposed to understand that. Now, obviously, I don't want to do it. No, it's not that I don't. I need clear direction. I'm a little slow. Not stupid. I'm just slow. Jesus gives some clear direction. Some just some simple how-tos. On the back of your outline there, there's a couple of things. I want to go hit them real quick. Number one, and from Matthew 6, he says simply, Matthew, 5, Matthew 6, 5 and 6 says simply this, and when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and in the secret corners that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you that you have not received their reward. They have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room, shut the door, and pray to your father who is in secret, and your father who sees in secret will reward you. Five and six says simply this, do it secretly. What does that mean? But in that context, it simply meant that the Pharisees loved a public prayer. 
Let me ask a question. Who, not who, yeah. No, where did you learn how to pray? Just give me, where did you learn how to pray? Or who taught you how to pray? Pastor, how did he teach you? How did he do that? Huh? Do sermons, okay. Watching your parents. What did they do? Somebody modeled prayer for you. And generally, we learn how to pray from the pulpit. The preacher, the pastor, the teacher, somebody who prays, and we learn how to pray. We learn what to say and how to pray. That's generally how we do it. Whether it's our parents, we listen to somebody else. Watch this. We presume, especially in public praying, that we need to pray like deacon so-and-so or elder so-and-so or pastor so-and-so. And guess what? That's not it. Those are public prayers. What they were doing here was they were, they were listening to the Pharisees. The Pharisees were very wordy in their stuff. They were public about it. And Jesus says, don't do that. Do it secret. It's about a relationship. I get, I'm getting ahead of myself. Six and seven says, so just, you know, how you pray? Pray secretly. He actually tells you, go in a room, shut the door. <laughs> you can't get more how-to than that. You think this is basic. Yes, it is, but sometimes we miss it. Seven and eight, how should we pray? Full. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them. For your father knows that you need what you need before you ask him. Pray I, the opposite of what it says there, it says they had a lot of empty words. I say, then pray full. From the fullness of where you are. Pray full. It is not about the words. He gives you some words. Words are important. But he says, pray full. Don't pray these words and they have no significance, meaning, anything. You're just putting the words out. Now watch this. When you get desperate enough, and broken enough, and lost enough, and hurt enough, sometimes all you can do is repeat the words. That may be, that's sometimes, that's all you have is the words. But you got, most of us have a long way to go before we get there. Before we get to where we can feel completely lost and completely, lo what do I do? Completely desperate. Most of us have a long way before we get there. But there are times and seasons in a man's life when he gets to that place where he has no clue what to do and he falls into the hands of the Lord, and you might not have anything but the words that you could repeat. I don't know if any of you have ever been in a situation like that or had a season like that in your life, but they do come, and those seasons are real, and they're painful, and they're, and they're challenging, and you don't know even what to say. 
so you fall back on what you learned. Our Father who art in heaven. Thirdly, pray the pattern. The pattern is simple. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we for have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. That is a model, a pattern for prayer. I don't have time to break it all down. There's probably six prayers here or there's tons of things we could talk about as it relates to that. That is simply a model. I will, I'd want to focus on the first word there, the first two words, our father. He says, this is how I want you to, this is, this is how you can pray. And prayer is about a relationship, as you've simply said. It's about communication to God. And it's not to God. It is both and. True communication, which evidently I struggle with, is a, list, is a give and take. It is a listening and a receiving. It's a both and. And so you, we have, and, and in order to listen to God, though, there are several things we have to do. That's why number one is important, because you need to pull aside in order to hear God who's not not. He doesn't have a big mouth like I do, and he surely doesn't need the microphone like I have. He does not take a two by four upside your head. And so you know what you have to do to really listen to God? You have to pull away. You have to quiet yourself. You have to step back. And you can't put that into a 10 minute devotional. And that's what we want. We want a 10 minute, 15 minute, hit it, quit it, go. And if you think about it, okay. Who, I want to see who's married in here. All right. Anybody guess, y'all know each other in this room. Who's got the longest marriage in here? Who's over 50? Raise your hand. Who's anybody over 60? Over 60 years of marriage. All right, my 50, my 50 year fellas. 15 minutes a day, 15 minutes a day with the wife at work. Why y'all looking at me? Well, 15 minutes with your wife a day work, or every other day. Would you still be married to your wife if the only time you spoke to her was 15 minutes a day? Thank you. Somebody said it. <laughs> no. And every other day or once a week or when we feel like it or when we need something. Now, if that's not good enough for your wife, why in the world would you think that God would want less? Yeah. Okay. Secretly, full, pattern. This is a big one. Forgiving. 
Evidently, forgiveness must be a key in this thing, because in the model prayer, he says to what? To forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And then he gets down to the verse 14. and He talks about forgiveness again. If you for if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your father forgive you. Evidently, forgiveness is a major issue as it relates to prayer. There is a connected there. There's a connection there. Those of you who are familiar with the English language, the first word in my translation, which I put on your outline, English Standard Version, says for. Verse 14 starts with for. He gives the model prayer. Then he says for. For what? There's a connection there. How to pray. Forgive. Forgiveness is a part of it. Look at Luke 11. Shamelessly. Talking about how to pray. Do shamelessly. What does shameless mean? Excuse me? Honest. Shameless. Boldly. Shameless. Without shame. Well, what shame? Nope. Not humility. Guilt? Feeling the guilt. What shame? Embarrassment. Hiding. What shame? Condemnation. Woo. That's a tough one. In five through eight, he says how to pray shamelessly. He gives an example of praying shamelessly. And Luke 11, five through eight, he says, which of you has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me your three loaves for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within. Do not bother me. The door is now shut and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, though, he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend. Yet because of his Impudence. I said, what? Impudence. Underline that word. It means shameless. He's not referring to boldness or persistence here. He is saying he needs to, you need to be shameless in how you come to God without shame. No embarrassment. No. And you know what keeps us? Well, I'll get to that in a second. He says to come shamelessly. You understand the context for this, this particular parable? The man's not going to do. We got two things going on here. Here's a man who has some folk that come to his house and they don't have McDonald's down the street. They don't have a restaurant down the street. He's got to provide for his host. That culture, it was, n if somebody shows up to your house, you're supposed to take care of them. Well, it's midnight. They can't, the market's closed. So he goes, so he, we've got an issue here of, of, culture that has to be handled. Then we've got this man who's got, who hears this knock on his door. We got a one room house, which most houses in that time, days were. And so everybody gets to wake up. The man says, I'm not getting up. 
But he can't be shamed either because his responsibility, cultural responsibility, is to help his neighbor out. He has a responsibility. And so they're both. So this man, this man who knocks on the door, he knocks shamelessly. He doesn't care. I know it's late. I know I'm waking you up, but I've got something bigger that I need to handle that's even more important than you being inconvenienced. And that's how God says to come to us, how to pray shamelessly. Luke, then he says, asking, seeking, knocking, a continual presence, continually ask, continually seek, continually knock. The promise is, what? When you ask, what will happen? You'll get what you ask for. If you seek, you'll find. If you knock, the door will be open to you. Last thing, critically important. Pray with knowledge. Here, he is not talking about knowledge of the word of God in terms of you can quote Psalm 23 you're familiar with the Ten Commandments, that kind of thing. He's not referring to that. Here, Jesus is saying in verses, in verses 11 through 13, simply this, know my character. What kind of person are you praying to? Who are you talking to? And so he says, what father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will he give him a scorpion? If then you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Know the character of your daddy. Know who you're talking to. Now watch this. It's real simple. Men understand this real quick. You got a business, takes money. You need some investment. You need some investors. You need a million dollars. Just, that's small. You just need a million dollars. Let me suggest where you should go. Or let me suggest where you should not go. You know why? I don't have it. Don't waste your time coming to say, Pastor Parker, I need a million dollars. Well, and, my, and the range of my, of my uh, relationships, my access to a million dollars, I may know one person well enough. I may know one person who has it. I'm not sure I'm, I have the relationship enough to go and say. Real simple. Men understand that. So who are you talking to? You pray, who are you going to talk to? You talk to the one you have a relationship with, you talk to the one who's able. And you need to know who you're talking to. 
He's a good guy. He's a great guy. He loves you. And he has all the resources that you could possibly need and more. He desires to give you life, not a million dollars. He wants to give you life. And you know what? He'll condescend to give you a million dollars if he thinks that will further his life in you. He will condescend. He will come down enough to give you a million dollars, which so, for some of you might not be anything. He'll condescend to give you a million dollars if he thinks that that is what will further his life in you. So questions. No, questions for discussion at your table. This is, what, this is your pattern. Let, I have an answer to each one of these, and I'm going to tell you after I finish. Tell you my answers. So it's not about the answers. It's about where you are. Question number one, do I know how to pray? Do I know how to pray? You need ask yourself that question. Sincerely share an answer. Do I know how to pray? Question number two. Where's my relationship with God? Because this, this, these two teachings that Jesus has on prayer here, this is not the only place he teaches, but this is where we get the model prayer, what we call the Lord's Prayer from. It's all about a relationship. A relationship with the fa a father. The word father simply means relationship. Speaks of relationship. So where are you in your relationship with God? My earliest concept of, my of, a of who God was in my life was as a policeman. As a big daddy who punished. Because every time it felt like every time I did something wrong, I got punished. So it felt like he was, he was this disciplinarian. Then he became this policeman. My concept of my relationship with him, so I did the right thing because I did not want to get in trouble. Where are you in your relationship with God? What does that look like for you today? How would you describe your relationship to God today? Use one or two words. Share it. If you can put it down to that. Where is my relationship? And saying you saved you, you were in a saving relationship with God, that's fine. Now, where are you in that relationship today? Has he moved from policeman to friend? Can you say God is a friend? And don't lie on, don't lie. Don't lie. Anybody have any friends in here? All right, somebody's got a few friends in here. And you know you have a friend, you have, you, they're friends that are closer to you than others, but you have friends, and, and the closer the relationship, probably the more often you talk. Probably. Secondly, what you talk about is not the weather. And those you have the closest relationship to, you're not talking about business, you're not talking about weather, though you may talk about that, you're not talking about the game, you're talking about where your heart is with the people that's closest to you. So where are you in a relationship with God? Thirdly, how desperate are you? 
Are you desperate? Now watch this. Be careful. You hang out with God. He will put you in positions and relationships where you become desperate. And if you have not become desperate yet, then don't, I'm not. I'm depending on how hard your head is. Grandma say a hard head makes a soft bottom. That's one of my grandma sayings. Hard head make a soft bottom. Your head hard, then you know what? God got to come hard at you. You know why? Because he loves you. And he loves you enough not to leave you where you are. And if that means you have to lose your job, your business, your family, your what have you, for a season, he will do it. You say, where do you get that from? Every person in the scripture that God has ever used, every man that God has ever used in scripture, he has broken that man. There are no unbroken men in, the, in scripture. Amen. Not one. If you don't want to be broken, don't hang out with God. Go somewhere else. Is God Santa Claus to you? That goes back to question number two. What's your relationship with him? Is he just there to provide for your needs and make your life comfortable? Nope. Is he a cosmic bellhop? Hit the button, here he comes. Is that what prayer is about? So, you're, so answer that question. You, can, you might not answer all these questions around the table. Obviously you won't, but I'm trying to give you something to think about. Number four, shameless. Does shame keep me from praying? And does shame keep me from praying? Because the challenge, the, the, how he teaches us to pray with the man who knocked at midnight was shameless. And, I, and, the, and the English Standard Version says impudence. Impudence. Wow. With no shame. And you know how you get shameless? When you don't care what anybody thinks. You don't, you're not a, you don't care what anybody knows about you. You are. You become shameless. And there's a freeing there. Five. And this is what, you mentioned this earlier. Do I have issues with being dependent? And if you're a man, more than likely, you got issues. You're a man, you got issues. So let me give you my quick answers. Number one, do I know how to pray? When things are going well, I do. Depends on what season I'm in. Do I know how to pray? There are times when I just don't even know. There are times when I don't want to. You know what, Lord? I really, you know what? I really just want to step back. I got issues. Number two, where's my relationship with God today? I am learned, I have, I'm coming to learn and have learned that more than anything, that's what God wants. 
And my relationship is becoming to be defined simply by the fact that I, he wants to be with me and I am coming to want to be with him. I don't know if that's friend or lover or whatever, whatever word I haven't fully put it to. I do know this, that he's no longer a policeman. He's no longer a, me, a, a disciplinarian. He has become this person who loves me more than I am even willing to accept. Three, desperation. In this season of my life, I am desperate. I have so many things on my plate, I don't know what to do. So my prayer in this season is, Lord, what do I take off the plate? But I think he put all this stuff on my plate. So I don't know. I'm desperate. There are seasons when I'm not. Shameless. Does shame keep me from praying? Yes. If prayer is just being in the presence of God, which is what my definition of prayer is, is simply just being in the presence of God and whatever that takes, if it's my silence or his silence or whatever, does shame keep me out of it? Yes, because yesterday I did, I messed up. And this morning I wanted to cuss somebody out. And this, I wanted to quit. And yesterday, on Saturday night, I decided I was going to retire when I couldn't finish my sermon. <laughs> But that happens every week. <laughs> every week. You know, Lord, what is, I've, I've studied. What is it you want these people to know? And you know what? Does shame keep me from praying? Yes, my sin. Shame over my sin. My weaknesses, my failures. Yes, it does. My hard-headedness. Yes, it does. Five, do I have dependency issues? Yes. Do I have dependency issues? Yes. I, I don't want to depend on you. I don't. Watch this. You know how the relationship between PCPC and Golden Gate got started? Because we were, we were part of your mission budget. And you know what my preference would be? I don't want your money. Don't need your money. You do what you do over here, I do what I do over there. If you're not interested in what we're doing over there, okay. I won't be, I take pride in us, Golden Gate, doing what we do without you. We were doing it before you got there, we'll do it after you go. Does that reflect the body of Christ? Is that a biblical attitude? No. You need us, and we need you for different reasons. And it has nothing to do about money. It has nothing to do about ministry. It has everything to do with our mutual need 
for God in our lives and how that's fleshed out at PCPC and at Golden Gate and African-American and Caucasian and Hispanic and everybody else has nothing to do with this side of town or your side of town, my side of town. I don't want to be dependent. I want to stand up. That's what a man does. And God says, yeah, I want you to be a man. I want you to be a man that is dependent on me. That's how you get to be a husband for 50 years. Because I don't believe any man can stay with any woman for 50 years unless he know the law. I just don't think it's true. I don't think it's possible. But watch this. Y'all laughing. And I read, I'd say this. I don't think any woman can stay with any man for 50 years unless she knows the law. I don't know. Women, women have a different play on that thing. They do. They're different. Let's pray. God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for this time. Thank you for these men who allowed me to come back and challenge all of us. I pray, Father, that you would bless each one. As they share, they discuss these questions, and as they take them home, may they, and they go through this summer of, of focusing on what prayer looks like and why they should pray. And, but Lord, I help, hope you help us to learn how to pray. Teach us to pray. In Christ's name, I ask it now. Amen.